0: in, you know it's time to begin, and wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks, using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. We're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes, because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free thanks to our sponsor this week, Blue Apron. DLC, of course, the show, all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who never pleads the fifth, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian!
1: Um, my attorneys have advised me not to reply to your hello.
0: Oh dang it! I always knew that was going to happen one of these days.
1: Uh, but, my attorneys uh, advised me that, in fact, you actually didn't know that that was going to happen, and we had never discussed it <laughs> happening
0: before. We've have, we've have never met, nor have we ever discussed it.
1: <laughs> and by nemesis, I, I deny ever doing anything. Uh, this gag is over now. By the way, just wanted yeah. to let you know we're not going to do this in the whole show. Hello, <laughs> hello.
0: Hey, have you guys checked out my other show, my daily video game show on Anchor? It's called newest, latest, best, and it's great. 10 minutes a day, get you caught up on all the video game news as it's happening right there every single day. You can find it at anchor.fm slash NLB. But right now, oh my gosh, what a week. Uh, we have uh, a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, we are hyping up the hype train. It's rolling down the tracks. So we're getting ready for E3. And we have one of our favorite guests to do it with. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh, we're excited because DLC stands for Dismembering the Limbs of Campers. Because here to tell us about Friday the 13th, the game, and a whole bunch of other stuff, you know him as the erstwhile host of X-Play and Rev3 Games, our friend, Mr. Adam Sessler. Hey, Adam.
2: Hello, hello, hello. Um, On the advice of my attorneys, I've been told to just take the deal and just spill the beans. So <laughs> I you, you have me
0: talking. <laughs> I'm so pleased to hear that.
1: <laughs> spill the beans. Jason can track them, though. You got to keep everything contained. You got to do like bear traps. Come on. What are we doing?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh... I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Good, man. I heard this is like the first time you've been on a podcast in over a year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, the, the last
2: time I did around a podcast, I was on and that's when we were promoting the Kickstarter for Friday the 13th. Right. So yeah. it's now- very fitting to, you know, it's coming full circle. Yeah, a well, lot's 26. changed
1: since then. Podcasts are very different now. I don't know if your, <laughs> your hologram is working or not. A-
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I can tell the just the rich timbre of everyone's voice really is, is, it kicked it up a notch.
0: <laughs> well, let's talk about Friday the 13th a little bit. It's coming out this Friday, uh, not the 13th, but the 26th. And um, I'm very excited to play it. I haven't had a chance to yet. But can you tell us a little bit about the final product and where it landed and, and what we can expect?
2: yes um the, the the final product is you know kind of what they set out to do in the first place with a little bit more added to it one v seven for the multiplayer component of it, which is really the heart and soul of the game. Seven people play counselors, and the counselors all have their different stats, and they 're based on all the 1980s kind of stereotypes that you expect to find in the, in the Friday the thirteenth movies. You know You have kind of your rocker, your good girl. Uh, you know, the, the the more jock guy and your head counselor. Uh, they all try to survive in a match against Jason, and there are various Jasons. There's Jasons from um, Friday the 13th Part 2, Part 3. Not Part 4, because it's really the same thing as Part 3. Uh, then it can't have Part 5, because that really wasn't Jason. Sorry, spoiler alert, it's the worst movie of the franchise. <laughs> uh, but then also 6 and 7 and 8, and there's even, uh, for the backers, they get to have a custom-made uh, Jason by the wonderful Tom Savini. He's the makeup artist that worked on Friday the 13th. Uh, you probably also know him from From Dusk Till Dawn. He's a, he's a very distinctive man, and he uh, designed his own Jason, which is quite something to actually behold and play against.
0: It's awesome. Uh, and, the, and the game looks gorgeous, man. This, those skins really do look yeah. almost photoreal. It's great. It looks it's, like
1: they were
2: peeled you know. off of campers and placed onto <laughs> <them>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's neat. Like, what, what, what I really love are the environments where – I mean, this team, both the people at Gun Media and Neil Fonick, I mean, it, it really was a labor of love where they went through the movies, looked at the environments, like, like Higgins Haven, which is from 3. That gets its own map. And they looked at where the placement of everything was, how it was supposed to look like in the interior, and then really tried to imagine, okay, what does that room that we never see, how would that be fitting in within the environment? That it, it really came from people who cared so much. And I thought I loved the franchise, but the level of officiousness that was applied to, to putting together, you know, this, this world. So it really feels like those memories of being a teenager and seeing
0: those films. Um, it, 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 really is something else. Awesome. I'm, I i can not wait to get my hands on it myself. Uh, again, it's coming out this Friday, the 26th. Uh, so, you know, successful Kickstarter, if you are a backer, you, uh, should be expecting your copy and, and the rest of us can buy it on, uh, it's on PC, Xbox one and PlayStation four, right? yes
2: yes yes and it'll, it'll be running for about thirty nine ninety nine, thirty nine ninety five. i honestly don't know i don't have my notes in front of me um and the, and the other thing is it's going to come with more what you're going to get initially is uh the multiplayer game that the kickstarter was all around but because there was an they were able to raise enough money they're actually going to have some single-player components as well that's going to come a couple months down the line it's already part of the deal if you when you know, when you buy the game and those can be kind of small instances where you're playing Jason and trying to reenact famous scenes from the movies. So that's you know, awesome. Like I love the a sleeping yeah. bag. You know what happens
0: next? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, let's get into the show now and start the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of- Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration using our hashtag on Twitter, which is DLCSOTW, or by visiting our subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Cool folks there hanging out, talking about the show, discussing stories. Uh, I mean, it's kind of obvious, I think, what the biggest news of the week is, but Adam, would you consider that to be your story of the week? Uh, Would this be Destiny? I think so, yeah. I mean, they had a huge event yes. and yeah. uh, lots of lots of news, lots of information about uh, Destiny 2, a game p- play reveal. We got our first view of what the game is going to be like. Christian and I were there in person. We got to play it. Um, oh, really? Oh, awesome. Yeah. So let me ask you first, uh, Adam, um, were you a Destiny fan? Or were you looking forward to Destiny 2? Did it... Was I it you expected? was very lukewarm on Destiny. I was excited
2: about no, it. Luke
1: Smith is on
2: Destiny, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I think because you know, because I, I, I played it at launch, and the story elements just weren't there. Right. While like it was, it was good bungy mechanics, but it didn't seem to be applied to anything that had any kind of. I, I guess bloodless would, would be the word I would apply for it. You know, I, I kept on playing it, hoping like, I would have that moment where I go, aha, and it clicks. And I've heard that since then, there have been so many aspects of the game have, have, have been revisited that it, it's worth my time to go back and check it out. But I think with all that buildup and all that hype, I was just sort of perplexed by the game I first played. Having said that, I am looking at Destiny 2 as a good reason to see if I can get reinvested in the game, in the universe, the world, the franchise,
0: the monies. Right. Well, they you know, came out on stage, Luke Smith came out on stage and laid down three pillars that they were talking about for Destiny 2 and it speaks it sounds like exactly to what you were concerned about and what I was concerned about too and I played Destiny the reason it didn't get its hooks in me either and that is a a story that you care about with characters that you want to hang out with, uh a place that you like being in that has interesting mm-hmm. things to do and then multiplayer where you always have someone to play with. So those are the three Pillars, as stated by Bungie, for Destiny Two, and then they showed the plans, the actual uh, you know template that they're using to make those things a reality. Cinematic story. We're getting like lots more cutscenes. We're getting a full kind of single player, but you can play with your friends type uh, campaign. We're getting, uh, planets, more, well, it's not, it's back basically the same number of planets, four of them, but there's more stuff to do on those planets. There's a map now. You've got these adventure areas. You've got lost sectors to explore. So, more stuff to do. And then you've got this idea of guided games where clans in the game, which are fully supported now, will be able to invite, uh, people in to play with them. So, it's, theoretically, there's always someone to play through the high level content with, so I think that's huge.
2: You know, you, I never played the high
0: level content because it's really hard for me to get five
2: other friends, have five other friends, right. much less you know try to corral them into the same place at the same time. I I I, I always found that, that that was just conceptually one of the most frustrating things about the first
0: game. I I agree with you, and I think that the uh, the goal of getting people to play together is a laudable one. I'm very excited that they recognize that's the strength of destiny is playing with other people that are having a good time together and they want to encourage that. I'm just a little skeptical that this is the way to do it. I hope I'm, I hope I'm wrong, but I I don't know the
2: clans or, or the overall approach that, that they have to destiny too.
0: Well, the guided games, the idea that clans who theoretically would be people that are all playing together and kind of know each other on a certain level anyway, would want to invite a random person in and then treat them as good as a member of the clan, you know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, I, I I see what you're getting at, especially in the world of like you know battlegrounds. Yeah, trust. <laughs> My trust for absolute strangers who are a group is has always been diminishing through over the years.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a tough problem, right? They they recognize how hard that is, and they sp- spoke to that at the event about you know how. These communities can be very toxic and people can have a hard time, you know, jumping in with random people and not being mistreated. But I'm not entirely certain that just having a spot in a clan game open up and having a random person join it is the solution. I hope I'm wrong. I hope it is the solution. But I'm a little skeptical on that on that point. I mean, I, I, I think one
2: of my biggest issues about ever doing sort of like blind co-op is I don't want to be the rock that somebody else has to carry. Right. Like if everyone else is so much better than I am, and I'm the guy, like, oh, great, I'm your weakest link.
0: You, know? you don't want to be Even the rock that not... they have to carry. You want to be yeah. the rock. I want to be the
2: rock. <laughs> you know, I want to be the hero. I want to be charismatic. And they're like, oh, we love you so much. We'll give you so many movies. Right. Uh, but I tend to be the other kind of rock, which is, why aren't you shooting at the right enemy? Yeah. And you know, then I'll get flustered, and the whole thing goes higgledy-piggledy, and I go back to single player.
0: But, but all this other stuff uh, looks really strong, right? The, the campaign mode, um, having sort of ancillary activities to do during, in the game, the gameplay itself that they showed with the new subclasses that are real flashy and shiny and have Captain America-style shield throwing. I mean, I'm in for all that stuff. Yeah, that stuff looks really good. And I, I think it's also, I can't remember if, if either of you, did you go to the
2: event for the first Destiny up at Bungie? What was that, probably four years ago now? Uh, I did not. Nope. Yeah, that was um, that was always a, a strange moment because, you know, all the press have been sent up there is probably the first time I had seen so many of my colleagues in one place at the same time, like people like Andy Mack and, and, and Jeff Gertzman. Uh, we're waiting to see uh, Destiny and we see no Destiny, but we have a lot of people come out on stage telling us how good it is. And, you know, in my years of journalistic experience, that tends to, you know, raise a flag or two. And it really started to feed into that sense when I finally did play the game that this thing just was not ready for prime time, even though they had committed to a certain launch date for it. And I think it's very heartening to see them be that open with information, that open with, with, with video. That gives me a sense that, like, they are on track. They know what they're doing and they're comfortable to actually present it and put, you know, their money where their mouth is.
0: Yeah, and and we sat down and played it, right, Christian? You you what did you come away with?
1: I think I'm I'm probably the highest on this game uh out of anyone I've talked to. I mean I'm sure there are some other super fans out there, but I, I have very high hopes for it, but I'd also say that they are high hopes based on reality versus some people's high hopes for the first game that were that were not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I think Destiny One's biggest problem was like you were saying, Adam, the way they talked about the game and they weren't exactly clear as to what it was or what you'd be doing, just that it'd be the most amazing thing that you'd be doing, and then yeah. people speculated what that would mean and that they, you know, put their own MMO baggage onto it or expectations when the game came and out. They didn't worked it?
2: so hard to not say MMO. That seemed to be like the top priority. Don't say MMO, and then talk about the game.
1: Right. And and now with this game, it seems much more focused. I think they're very comfortable with the game that they're making and what they're trying to be. At least in this reveal, you know, they didn't talk about sparrow racing or any of the other type of zany events that were introduced as kind of seasonal things over the the years for Destiny One. It was we're going to have this great bungee shooting. We've got a focused story campaign with cutscenes and characters to guide you along to help you for those things when you're down on patrol. We have it. You know, it, it's more focused again, more interesting things to do instead of just dropping you down you're going to a beacon hearing a little audio thing and then grinding for gear it's like it's still the same gear kind of loops but they've they've built it around things that are more satisfying to people and a game I think Jeff will be talking about later uh, in justice 2 we know at the live event when you Anthony and I were talking I forget who asked the question but it was uh, how much can adding a few cutscenes do to make a single-player game feel better and I think Injustice 2 proves a whole lot. <laughs> Great yeah. cutscenes go a long way to making a single player campaign feel meaty and uh compelling and so my hope is what they've learned from taken king and some of the expansions over the years for destiny 2 is that it's going to have that that weight behind it so you have the great destiny i mean great destiny great bungie first person shooter feel and now with a compelling narrative again to pull you through and that's all i need i'm fine with that same core gameplay loop of flank shoot grenade that's what i want i just want a little more reason to do it than oh sweet plus 10
2: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think Borderlands, I mean, it, it it is a different game It has just four player co-op, but it, it you know, it, it has that very kind of simple loop, which is you know, grind, improve but there's enough about that world that you care about and you're interested in that that's what's kind of egging you on. That you 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 have to have that 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 sense of context that makes it interesting. And I I, I think that's what worked so well for World of Warcraft for so long is that you know there's a well articulated world you're in. Whereas when Destiny One launched, I was like, hey, it's some planets with the aliens <laughs> and in the moon yeah. wizard and, and go scan no, this go, thing.
1: If you the, want to read about the world, you can, but go on your computer to read about yeah. it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's, that one was a real tough one i mean yeah a sense of discovery is so important to just about every game except for say like the most intense of multiplayer shooters yeah but,
1: i okay, thought I think, it played great jeff getting your hands on like it felt fast oh, yeah. and smooth and pretty and you know oh, it's i thought it was awesome
0: Yeah, you know, no i agreed and and i think that what we're talking about is what i think that they have realized which is they had the mechanics down right that the Bungie knows how to make a shooter they just didn't have all of that context that was really uh, intriguing at least to me and i think that they have sort of come to that over the course of the taken king and the expansions and doing this numbered sequel it really shows that they're like okay we get it here's here's an interesting world here are interesting characters go crazy. We know you have the mechanics. We're not going to mess with that. We're not going to change that up in a big, huge way. We're going to give you that, but we're also going to give you the stuff that was a little bit lacking in vanilla destiny when it when it launched. Um, Another thing I want to bring up and ask your opinion about Adam is the fact that, you know, this will be the first destiny on uh, a PC that you can play on a PC. We actually got to play it on PC. It looked really cool, but Even more amazing than that or surprising than that is the fact that it is going to be exclusive to Battle.net or the Blizzard app. I don't even know what it's supposed to be called anymore because they had this big deal where they changed the name to Blizzard app from Battle.net. And now Mike Morheim comes on and calls it Battle.net again. So I don't know what it's even called anymore. But it's the first non-Blizzard made game that is going to be on the Blizzard app. Uh, Do you think this positions... Blizzard's app as a real competitor to Steam? Is that where they're headed? I mean, I have a hard time
2: imagining that at this late date that you would want to actually throw down the gauntlet and go after Steam, but I think one could argue, if you look at the games that are coming out of Activision and Blizzard, you know, they're, they're, they're definitely, they have a large multiplayer components, uh, they have a larger social component around it, that you could start to position Battle.net as more particular to what is becoming a very, very popular style of game these, these days. I mean, Overwatch, I think, definitely demonstrates that. Right. Um, I mean, I, I imagine there's just sensible fiscal reasons for that as well. Um, I, I, I think <laughs> I was one of those people fr- from a distance. I had I, I had the stream on in the background and I heard the, the, everyone screaming with such excitement over the announcement of Battle.net and I, I got so confused for a moment because I wasn't aware of anything, at least on the consumer end, that was going to be materially that different about the experience, yet this seems to be you know, treated, if, 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 if not as the second coming, then the idea that like, hey, we're going to get a
0: Star Wars movie a little bit earlier than we thought. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do think it's not a huge deal, uh, but it is – it's, you know, it's impactful in the sense
2: that on – the, On the business side, I think right. it's a very interesting, you know, deal. But I think for the average consumer, it's just, you know, just make sure you have an account and, you know, you have, you know, two-step verification, you don't get hacked.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I, I would go a little farther than that in the sense that as somebody that uses uh, the, the Blizzard app a lot – I mean, I've mentioned this a couple of times now, but when my friends and I decided to play um, – player unknowns battlegrounds what we did for communication was not use skype we did not use uh you know any other voip thing we, we loaded up the blizzard app and had that running in the background because the what voice chat worked shit? so well
1: what you played battlegrounds and didn't tell me i'm about to tell you today hey <laughs> cold as ice nemesis is correct dang jeff <laughs> today Canaan. i'm telling you what today up? you're me after you played it my friends and i played and i'm sitting over here just like with my thumb up my butt apparently
0: <laughs> uh anyway I, I i think that have a good chat guys later <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean that guy that killed you in that one game that was me it was me christian yeah <laughs> i guess i'll
1: go back to pitching those tv shows that you have nothing to do with jeff <laughs>
0: uh all right well there's you know there'll be lots more to talk about with destiny 2 as we get closer september 8th by the way is the release date so it's not uh, for pc though no not for pc no pc date yet and also no cross save which were two things that
1: i didn't get answered there but they came out later in the day after i was like i've got everything i need to know and then they were like by the way pc's later date also no cross cross save and i was like i just left
0: Yeah, but they didn't have cross save before either, so I mean, I kind of that's not really very surprising. But um, well, people
1: were hoping. I mean, you could you could cross save between console, so Xbox three hundred and sixty to Xbox one and PS three to to PS four. So I think people were just hopeful that you could bring the character to PC because yeah. it's you know de- it's a Bungie or Activision server side character. You are not saving it locally, right. so I think there was hope that you'd be able to do that. But they were like, Nah, dog.
0: It plays real fast on PC, man. It's it's a huge difference. I I found. Um, playing it on PC with a mouse and keyboard. Woo, fast. Yeah. But anyway, we'll be talking about it more as it as it gets closer, but it's uh, pretty exciting. I think the game looks really, really good. I thought the event came off uh, really great and, and uh, presented the best sides of the game. They didn't hold anything back. It felt like a real presentation of everything you can expect. Sometimes these events can be real teasy and it's like, well, we got more coming. We're going to tease it out. I feel like it's nice to have it all just laid out and, and yes. presented
2: like that. Yes. If you're, I mean, uh, it's, it's been years, but that one thing that used to drive me crazy is if I'm giving you three hours of my time, there should be a reason for it. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like that for those in attendance, both fans of the game and people that were covering it, it, it really merited, you know, taking the trek out and, and, and seeing what they had to say. For sure.
0: Christian, how about you? What's your story of the week? Yeah, sure. Well, as I scroll down our doc
1: to look at games I've been you've been playing, I noticed that Jeff didn't list PlayerUnknown's uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. So I'm gonna add that uh, right in. I guess that, right that my in. story of the week is screw you, I'm going home. I mean the story of the week has to be it has to be Destiny. But other things that I think are interesting, and it's interesting in the way it's not necessarily related to C D Project Red, is The Witcher is coming to Netflix, which I think I'm like, hype, that sounds great, but it's the based on the novels. Right. uh and the polish writer Andrzej zapowski well so not the adaptation of his work that are the games that he has apparently said or there's been, i don't know if it's him or his team that's like we like them but there's always like a, a caveat like it's not our story like there's been this weird relationship between the two i feel i'm putting my own opinion in that um
2: but you know they're logically the book. i believe the games take place after the last of the books but that's okay. kind of the compromise between you know the, the the fiction of the books and the fiction of the games. Hmm.
1: Okay. Yeah, so maybe that's why there's know. been that. What's up, Jeff?
0: I said I haven't read any of these books, but um I didn't and I didn't know that fact. That's interesting.
1: I read the first one a long time ago and it's good. It's well I mean I remember it being dense and me being on like a track trip and being like Ugh. <laughs> uh like I have a hard time sometimes with uh hard Uh, fantasy or fiction books because i get lost in the details and then i'm like i forget what i'm reading what like what's happening lord of the rings when i was little ooh those took me a long time
2: i mean helms Uh, deep which even as an adult still doesn't make any sense no no (laughs) it just does not at all it it just doesn't
1: Uh, I've gotten better at Lincoln and the Bardo. Did you finish that, Jeff? It's excellent. But it's, I a, never it's did no, it's it's a hard read also. But that's the biggest news. And which are coming to Netflix. I also feel like a long time ago there was that rumor or leak or speculation that Netflix is working on a Zelda show. And I wonder if Netflix is just trying to get their Game of Thrones, right? Like oh, that's yeah. Obviously. That's what they want. Zelda maybe never was happening or petered out. And they were like, what else is there? And they were like, oh, hello. <laughs> hello, Witcher. Like, what's next? Darksiders gets announced for Netflix. Like, <laughs> it's like, what's, what is that action sci-fi fantasy show that they can make?
2: I, I, I think also because Netflix has been making these strategic investments for shows that may, might not play very well in the U.S. Uh, like, what was the show? The very lavish show that was set in China. Um, was oh, it Marco we- Polo? It may have been. Oh, yeah. Marco Polo or Polo, but whatever. The, yeah. Given the insane popularity of The Witcher in Poland and kind of the lar- that larger swath of Eastern Europe. I mean, there, there, there's also kind of an interesting thought that this is their play to kind of really push sub- subscriptions in that part of the world. Because as I've, I've been reading, you know, Netflix is kind of plateauing in, uh, you know, in, in the U.S. and the West. Yeah. That, you know, by having these strategic shows, that can really get a lot more subs in, in other parts of the world.
1: Well, I'm excited for this. Some of the details uh, I left out. Sean Daniel, he worked on the Mummy franchise, Ben Hur, and Expanse on sci fi, which is one of the best shows on television. Um, I think season one might be on Netflix now if it's not. I think it's streaming somewhere. Uh, It's excellent. Excellent, excellent, excellent sci-fi. So it's someone that has, you know, pedigree certainly in a world of fantasy and science fiction. So it's not like, and to do the, to do the show is your neighbor, Bill. And you're like, oh crap.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And the the visual effects company that's involved is the one that did the live action ads for the Witcher uh, video game. Oh, Uh, cool. So, while CD Projekt Red is not involved in any way and they're like we hope it's good we wish them luck that's basically the extent of their involvement um it does not hurt this
1: IP for us <laughs> yeah
0: yeah it does have a connection to the video game series in the sense that the the VFX house is is involved so i think it is going to have some look and feel that is influenced by the, by the games um and i'm you know i think that universe is really interesting it's this weird sort of fantasy horror world uh and i i've always thought that the you know the the bad guy designs all the creatures and stuff are are really unique and have a very interesting niche that has been carved out. I mean, it's not our orcs and it's not yeah uh, goblins and stuff. It's it's very interesting, weird uh, stuff. And I think that could that could play really well and it could could make for an interesting TV show. I just well, think. Also, oh, go ahead, Adam.
2: I was going to say that Geralt. You know, in the games, there is that big overarching story, end of the world and whatnot. Yeah. But really, Geralt's just this kind of like mercenary detective and so yeah. it has the opportunity to have a grand like overarching story and it has all the the infrastructure there to kind of tell these kind of smaller more narrow not the end of the world stories that could really kind of give it a lot of life and i, th- I think kind of make it interesting from episode to episode
0: we can all agree that mads Mikkelsen has to play Geralt, right
2: I mean, that's just. Oh, I think Julian Assange is auditioning, though. You see that last <laughs> photo of him? It's incredible. Like, he went <laughs> straight
0: Geralt. It's yeah. Crazy. He's cosplaying Geralt already. That's for
2: sure. <laughs> yeah. I
1: mean, if we're putting out our hopes and desires, I'll, I mean, I'll throw my name into the mix, right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'll
0: do it. Your voice isn't uh, uh, dirty pavement enough.
1: What do you mean? <laughs> this is a... I'm going to go kill some bad guys. That's my, that's my audition right there. Uh, I am curious though, cause I think while Gerald is a, is an interesting character to play as a video game and, in, and, and interesting in terms of the world, I, I don't know if he's a, a lead in terms of, I think they, I want them to build out the side characters in this world. Cause he is very will. dry. He's very matter of fact, yeah, right? Yeah. It's not like, ooh, what is he going to do? He's going to take the money and kill the thing. That's, <laughs> that's what he does. So it'll be interesting.
2: No, it's the – I mean, it's that, that suite of female characters that really kind of adds the foil to his rather, like, dour, drunken,
0: blah, you know. Uh, my story of the week is – well, it's Destiny. But uh, also we got confirmation that Far Cry 5 is happening. Uh, it will certainly be – actually, before I say that, I think it's going to be a big E3 game. So we got to do the hype train. Get hyped! E3 is a coming, and uh, it looks like Ubisoft is going to be showcasing, obviously, the next Assassin's Creed game. But we will probably be talking a lot about Far Cry Five. Although, um, just this morning they said that the uh, this Friday will be uh, the the reveal of of uh, the trailer for Far Cry Five. We got a teaser this morning, which looks to be all live action and doesn't feature any of the actual game, but it does tell us about the setting for far cry 5 which is montana <laughs> montana in the united states hope in a county world where there's a state called
1: montana <laughs>
0: it's got mountains and plains um hope county montana which is a fictional county in montana Uh, This is interesting. Far Cry, of course, has been in Africa. It has been in in the tropical island locations. Uh, We went to, obviously, the uh, caveman. Yeah. Himalayas, right? Himalayas, caveman time. Uh, Now we're in a square in middle America. This is an interesting take, I think. And uh, the teaser trailer is a little enigmatic, but I think it is kind of – trying to show that this idyllic, beautiful landscape is going to have some scary stuff, some disturbing things. There's a, a shot of these beautiful, picturesque plains, and somebody running away and then is shot uh, and falls deep into the, the grass of the Montana plains. Um, what do you think about this, Adam? Far Cry 5. It sounds like it's actually going to be the numbered sequel to Far Cry.
2: Yeah, yeah, as, you know, as opposed to Primal, which was separate. Even though I had always expected that to be a much smaller game, I think given the fact that it came out less than two years after four, mm-hmm. but it was actually like a, a full-throated you know, Far Cry game. Um, I find the decision to go into the United States uh, really, really interesting um, because on the face of it, it sounds risky. Like, hold on, you know, when was the last time we got excited about Montana? But right. there's clearly going to be a reason that they're doing it, and I, I, I think they almost had kind of wandered a little bit so far into the, we're going into an exotic location with kind of crazy people, that it was getting a little on the predictable, and potentially, like, it was, it was losing, I think, some of the excitement, and it could always just kind of fall over into something that was potentially offensive, that yeah. this kind of reorients it into something that I think could feel very, very more, more of the moment and not arbitrary, I guess, is, is well, kind of what I'm
0: thinking. I mean, I guess the flip side of that—the the potential uh, pitfall for that—is—is is it going to be a little ding, 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 ding? I mean, is the, is oh, that? I,
2: well, that's it, 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 that's interesting because they did. You know, Montana has mountains; Louisiana doesn't, so maybe that's one of the reasons that they went for that. <laughs> right? Obviously, you know, there 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 is kind of a, a sense of culture with Monta- like places like Montana, Wyoming. I mean, those are people who live there. I wouldn't even call it Midwestern. It's like it's it's very. Like, iconoclastic, I'm here because I want to be not around a lot of other people. And so that offers up, you know, obviously some, some, some interesting ideas. Uh, but you're right. It could fall into sort of rural stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's cross our fingers that doesn't happen. Yeah. The views expressed <laughs>
1: about Montana and Wyoming are the views held solely by Adam Sessler and Jeff
2: Nutt. <laughs> and <laughs> the of the DLC oh, it's, that's the other thing. It's, it's beautiful out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the, you know, the, the one thing I'm
0: thinking about is other than bears,
2: how do you populate all the dangerous wildlife?
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's like, Pumas there? I don't know. What, what's in what, what's in uh, Montana, guys? I don't know.
1: Well, I haven't been in years, but the last time I was there I thought it was interesting. I didn't have good cell reception, so I just climbed this tower and I and it just unlocked. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's- unlocked every- I mean, these are great games that have become, like Adam was saying, a little predictable because they cranked like three and four came out kind of close to each other, you know, relatively speaking for how big these games were. And then Primal came out, but Far Cry 2 is incredible and stands the test of time. Far Cry 3 blew everybody's minds. And then Far Cry yeah. 4 did more of the same. Um, so I don't think it was as widely praised, but was still an incredible, incredible game. Uh Primal. I didn't spend much time with, but like you're telling me I'm going to get a numbered sequel to this franchise that has had arguably four or five, awesome games in it. And there's only been four or five of them. Yeah. Like sign yeah, me up. It, I don't it, care it, where they said it, it could be in my house and I'd be excited. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> I think also, you know, the jump from watchdogs to watchdogs Two really struck me that, you know, there, there, there were a lot of sort of reconsiderations about how to approach your know, later sequels with, within the, the Ubisoft studios to sort of like, Hey, let's, let's, let's kind of dig down and see if we can create something that has a little bit more flavor that it isn't just a refinement of what we did before. Which is good, on, you know, that, that, that's always a nice experience. But yeah, it becomes something that you kind of know what you're getting. So yeah, I, I, have, I have my fingers crossed for this. I'm, I'm excited to see what they show on, on Friday.
0: The chat room is speculating about all the various bad guys that you'll face. Um, Joe Blank said mountain lions, snakes, maybe. And Purple Hydra said sky which Ooh, you, know, you can't big you, sky. it's so big Big sky
2: <laughs> it's so imagine big. that you have to go find the albino
0: sky with your bow and arrow <laughs> oh man and take it out that
2: would
0: be <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> all right let's move on we got a lot of games to talk about uh i have so much to say about player unknowns battlegrounds and all the friends i've made playing it <laughs> uh <laughs> but uh, i do need to thank our sponsor uh blue apron guys If you haven't heard me talk about Blue Apron, hunker down because I am genuinely, wholly in love with Blue Apron. It has improved my life uh, 100%. I mean, I can't even tell you. My wife and I look forward. Every Wednesday, we get our Blue Apron in the mail, and we get so excited about the meals we get to have that week. Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country, and I have been a subscriber for almost three years now. I love it. It has completely improved my life. Because I wasn't a guy who cooked for myself. We ate out. I ate kind of crappy food, really, because it was convenient. And Blue Apron makes good food convenient. It makes spending time with your loved ones doing a communal activity easy and fun. The reason I didn't cook is because I didn't like figuring out what to make. It was, uh, you know, you get online and you go, okay, well, I'm gonna make, I feel like chicken. Uh, let's look for a chicken recipe. And then like 4,000 chicken rec- recipes come up and you don't know, you don't know what to, what's good. That's daunting. And it just made me want, not want to do it. And then once I did find a recipe, it was like, okay, well, I got to go to the grocery store and buy all the ingredients and I'm going to buy some ingredient that I need for this recipe tonight. And I'm going to have, you know, three pounds of it left over and it's just going to go bad. And I'm going to feel awful because I wasted all this, this stuff. Blue Apron solves all of that. They give you three recipes per week that are really delicious. Honestly, these are so good. Sometimes my wife and I turn to each other, and I'm not just saying this. It's true. We turn to each other and we go, if I'd had this in a restaurant, I would be thinking this is a great restaurant. Like these are really good recipes. Last night, I made um, I made uh, black ink squid pasta with shrimp and and sugar snap peas. I made that, me. It was amazing and it was so good. This is, really has improved my life and it's healthier this way because you know what's going into it. You're cooking it. They say the you know, the biggest thing that you can do to improve your health is to cook at home instead of going out because what you put in your food is always gonna be better than what a stranger puts in your food. And also they solved that other thing I was mentioning because all the ingredients that are included, not only are they fresh, but there's just the amount that you need for that recipe. So if you need an egg, you get one egg. You don't get a carton of eggs that are going to go bad if you don't eat them. You get exactly what you need. And it's affordable too. It's going to be less money than going out to eat. It works out to about $10 per person per meal, which is super, super uh reasonable. I mean, I – I love Blue Apron, and they just changed – they're starting to do it all across the country, but in my area, in Los Angeles, they just changed it so you have now eight recipes per week that you can choose from to get your three, and there's no restrictions. There used to be restrictions on and if you get this one, you can't get that one, and they've gone away with all of that as well. So the stuff is delicious. Um, you know, we, we love it. It's affordable. It gives variety for what we eat. We're not eating the same thing over and over again. And I feel like a chef. I feel like I've actually learned some skills. I know how to chop things now and I feel good making food for my wife. It's amazing. So check it out. You can get three meals for free for free, all you got to do is go to blueapron.com slash DLC and see what I'm talking about here. It's really great. I mean, these are, you know, you can choose among your meals. You're going to you're gonna love what you eat. You're going to feel better. It's healthier and it gives you great life skills. I mean, I often fantasize about having had a service like this when I was single and dating because, man, what's cooler than like inviting a girl over or a guy over and cooking a meal for them? Like, uh, that's amazing. So go to blueapron.com slash DLC, sign up, get your three free meals. You'll love how it feels. You'll love how it tastes. It's a better way to cook blueapron.com slash DLC. Adam, you are going to be another person that's going to come here and tell me that I need to be playing near automata, right? Uh,
2: it's, I was not expecting to like this game. I mean, be, if, if people know me, it's like, you know, I have no affection for the Final Fantasy series. I have limited affection for, you know, that type of world with the hair and squealing. And that <laughs> right?
0: the hair and the squealing.
2: Yeah. Um... But wow, like, this game just, it's one of those ones, I've been really, really busy lately, and so there's certain games, say, like, something like Prey, where I, I, I want to play it, but I have to really, I know I need to play it day after day after day, or you're going to kind of lose that way you need to think to play the game. Right. Uh, so I said, okay, good. This is, it's, it's fast combat, I can probably do it in batches and go back to it, and between the combat, and believe it or not, this weird story that just slowly starts to reveal itself, I... I've really fallen for it. And I'm, Every, I'm just, I'm, I'm pinching myself because I'm like, how did this happen? I mean, God, if, 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 if younger me knew this was going to happen to older me, younger me might make plans to do something to older me.
0: <laughs> you got to watch out for younger you. He's always going to get you. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome to hear. I've heard nothing but praise for this game. I have, uh, ordered it, and I will play it once things calm down, if they ever calm down. But, um, are you doing the whole, like, multiple playthrough thing? Yes. Or? Um, it's,
2: it, and, and really, i say this is a tribute to its combat, uh, and its leveling system. That it's it's easy, accessible combat that's really predicated on kind of rolling out of danger, and if you do it, um, right, you get, you know, sort of double damage. Um, And that really works with the number of enemies that over time wants to start to throw at you. Um, And and then, you know, you always can kind of get a better weapon and kind of get other ways to upgrade yourself. That really has that perfect loop where I'm like, yeah, I don't mind playing more. And even when I played through the first time, I'm like, you know, I, I really enjoyed that. So the idea of playing extra didn't seem bad. And then when I realized it really is fleshing out this story. I'm like, okay, now I'm going to go through all the multiple endings, because it really seems to be a reward. I think you know, for, for New Game Plus, you know, for, for, for games that want to move in that direction, I think this has created a model that's very, very compelling, hmm. that you really are going to benefit not just by playing it again and getting a trophy so you can just kind of rub your friend's noses in it, but that you, you, you learn more and you're being rewarded in kind of those substantive
0: ways for playing the game an extra time. Sounds amazing, and uh, I've I got to get my hands on this. It, uh, yeah. What else, <laughs> you, what else have
2: you been playing, Adam? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I hate to say it. I've, you know, I've been so far behind that like, I only recently finished um, Horizon Zero Dawn. Ugh. I think it's still my game of the year right now. I, th- I think so. It's, I mean, near gets close. You know, I would have to kind of go back and forth, but in terms of just, you know, Horizon's a familiar genre. In many yeah. ways. But it does, does so many things right. I was thinking about it this morning, so I knew I was going to talk about it with you. The characters stand out. you know. Say what you will about the story. I like the story. I can understand people wouldn't. But I know who these people are. And I played a lot of games recently where I'm like, who... who Who are you? And especially in open world games, where you can get so lost on side quests that you kind of lose that essential thread of why you're doing any of this in the first place. And it it, it never lost that on me, that there was that sense of purpose that went through, what, like 40, 45, 50 hours to to get through the majority of that game?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it it is so beautifully paced. It is. It really doesn't do anything um that any other open world game isn't kind of doing but it does it in a better way it's more refined it feels like they figured out that that weird formula of of stuff that gives you interesting things to do in the world but doesn't overwhelm you and also everything that you do you want to do nothing feels like busy work you know it's it's a remarkable achievement
2: I mean, the, 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 the side quests weren't always revelatory in terms of fleshing out the world in the story. But they also didn't pretty much just say, hey, fetch quest. I mean, right. it, was, it, was, it was that kind of perfect balance. And, and there weren't too many side quests. Because I think that's right now is just the plague of most open world games. Is that you know, somehow if there's more, it's better. Right. Whereas I think like, give me less and give it focused... Dole them out with with a reasonable, you know, over a reasonable period of time. Don't just kind of play fifty two pickup and give me all the side quests the minute that the world opens up. Um, yeah, it, it just does so many things right, and I love the combat.
0: Yeah, love the that. combat is so good, and the idea of of taking down these these roving hordes of of uh, machines, but at a time and date of your choosing. You know, I love yeah. I love that. Like I'm gonna set up my plan and I'm going to execute my plan. And I'm going to take down this thing and I'm going to get a trophy for it. That actually is going to get me cool loot in the game world.
2: And even if my plans don't work in taking down a creature, like there's enough at my disposal at, at my disposal, excuse me, to, um, to, to just improvise and, and come up with something
0: really quick. Yeah. Uh, we, I mean, I, I will be hard pressed. I mean, I, I think Zelda is an important game and I love it in a lot of ways. Horizon still stands above it in my yeah. estimation for this. I, year.
2: St- I still don't have a switch. And I oh. have no idea when I'm going to get my hands on one because it seems impossible to get one. Yeah. So. They're
1: coming around. Amazon had them. Um, this sounds like silly to say, but it's like Amazon had them in stock for four hours. This is like, ooh, a, <laughs> ooh what a wow.
2: Time. I but. can't wait. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a kid that works in the building I'm in, uh, who really really wants one, and he's been going to the stores. They won't tell him when they're getting shipments. They won't give him any advice. But it's first come, first serve. He can't reserve them at the GameStop, and then when he goes to look for them online, he's only finding these five hundred dollar bundles. Yeah, yeah. And it was just it's, it's just a bummer that you know he needs to follow. Make like... more of you can follow like Wario, where,
1: Wario, or uh, uh, Cheapass Gamer on Twitter. Like some of those other like, accounts, right? Okay. You got to set up your Twitter account and just create your list of people that are tweeting game deals and when things come in stock. Or go to like uh, what is it, Brick? Um... Oh, come on, Brandon, it's a bookmark. Oh, man, I don't remember. There's like a, you know, you can do brick-and-mortar inventory searches. Half the game, the best uh, Nintendo game is often the game of getting the system, right?
2: Yes, it is. <laughs> I wouldn't call that the best game. I would call that the hardest.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's not got to catch them all. It's got to catch just one of them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and I know that you have been uh, a big Mass Effect fan. You said you've been playing the new one, Andromeda. Yeah. that voice says it all
2: (laughs) it's you know it's not terrible Uh, I I, I know some people have taken some very very negative attitudes towards it and yes there were some issues with the faces they weren't as expressive but really when it's all said and done it just my feeling is the success of the unexpected success actually of Dragon Age Inquisition uh, must have shifted the design plans on this game because it did not in so many different ways, it didn't feel like Mass Effect, but especially in that sense of so- something operatic, something big, something exciting with engaging characters. Yeah. Um. And, you know, to the point that I really liked side quests in Horizon Zero Dawn, like this, I mean, they were just fetch quests. It was, it was yeah. go get five of those things. And just always hoping that somehow it was about to turn a corner, and that game that I'd been wanting would suddenly, you know, manifest itself, and it just... It just didn't. And I don't remember most of the characters. It just, it really, it was, it was, I mean, it's one of those, I don't, I I take no pleasure in harping on its shortcomings because I wanted this game so badly.
0: And yeah, it was, it, it was, it was definitely not the game I had expected nor wanted. Well, you've covered that series for a long time and that company for a long time. You know, one of the, somebody pointed out that this is the first Mass Effect since the two doctors left Bioware. Do I, don't I don't believe have, that's the case. They weren't there for 3, as far as weren't? I know. They weren't. I thought they were. I don't, I th- don't yeah. believe so. Oh, okay. Why well, I, I was putting a lot of stock in that theory that it's it sort of is rudderless a, a little bit and and sort of because it feels like it feels like a mishmash of a lot of different ideas that aren't yeah. aren't focused into a cohesive vision.
2: No, and, it's, and, and, and the thing is, a, a lot of people like, were, were putting on the fact that it was a new team out of Montreal, and I, I, I think that's, that's highly speculative. Uh, you know, It's a large team, and I believe it's filled with people that have done work before on other video games. So I, I think sure. that's just, just saying it's new, I think is, 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 is presumptuous, but I, I think what we do know happens with very, very large teams is they don't always know what the other half is doing. I, 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 I've known about some other games, I'm not going to name them, um, but where there was never one person who knew everything that was in the game. Right. And, but you know that you have to have certain components that are going to go in the games, and, and you have leads that are working on those aspects. I cannot say that this was necessarily the case when it comes to Mass Effect Andromeda, but it did have that sense that it was checking some boxes, yeah. You know, to be able to have a lot of content, do all of these things so you can have sort of epic adventure in a, in a massive universe, but just really kind of forgot that, that, that heart. I mean, side quests were never the best part of a Mass Effect. It was that main quest. Yeah. And I, I, I wish they had sort of focused on that with just a little bit on the margins. And I think, you know, maybe that story would have worked. I still think that story just wasn't that interesting until some stuff at the very, very, very end where it got quite interesting
0: yeah yeah well speaking of uh, stories that are interesting christian let's talk about injustice too
2: man mm.
0: best right? story ever in a fighting game i think it's pretty easy to say that i have not well, that, finished well, don't damn it with faint praise <laughs> <laughs> it's true yeah it's I better have... than <laughs> ryu talking to ken that one time <laughs> have, have you
1: finished the campaign
0: jeff no i'm i'm very close to the end but i am not finished
1: I have not, I have not finished it either. I would say that the, the rivals of story mode and a campaign, it's all the Netherrealm games, right? Like Mortal Kombat 9 and 10 and Injustice 1, they've all been amazing. And I think what they did with MK9, you know, retconning that series back to have all those years of Mortal Kombat story make sense again in a way that Star Trek and other things have done it before. I was like, okay, okay, Netherrealm, I'm on board for whatever you got. But
0: I mean, yeah, this is- Yeah, but Mortal Kombat, like even, even when they're doing story well with Mortal Kombat, it still feels ridiculous.
1: No, you're just more you just like the characters in DC Comics and you're more used to them. You're talking that's about a-, a world where there's a multiverse. I mean, shut no, up. That is ridiculous.
0: But no, but that's I think you're right. I'm not going to I'm not going to disagree with that, but I don't think that that invalidates the point. I think it underscores the point. I think using characters that actually you know have a history, have baggage that you bring in and then kind of flipping them on their head and doing interesting things with Superman that we don't expect. It really It's more interesting than doing things with Sub-Zero that we don't expect. It's just inherently more fun to play in that sandbox.
1: Uh, I understand your point. Uh, I don't think it's worth arguing. I think what we can agree upon that Injustice 2 is the, the story uh, is fantastic. The graphics are incredible. The gameplay is great. The monetization system is pure pure crap. And in six months, a complete edition of the game will be out for half the price.
0: What monetization system are you talking about? Are you talking about the loot boxes themselves?
1: Well, there's three, right? And I need to get the terms right because I always get them wrong and I don't have it pulled up in front of me. But the way you're grinding for, what do they call the rares? Um, oh, God. It's so many hours of gameplay. I, I feel bad clicking they, on my mother keyboard crates or whatever they're calling? To, to Google them. Um, but it's, it's the idea that, uh, to me personally, and again... This is, these are going to be. The, this is the negative of this game. So I just want to get it out of the way. I don't want to harp on negatives for a game that I'm really enjoying. But anytime there's a game that has multiple different currencies that I'm used to to buy different things that make that are great in game, right? It's not just like something that doesn't affect game. It's like, oh, now my shaders purple or whatever like that. I'm kind of like, okay, fine. But when they there's something that's either locked behind hundreds of hours of gameplay, it feels to potentially get this thing. Or you know, five dollars per se, like that. That that slaps me in the face a little bit. Of like, that feels a little egregious, and it feels like it's the reverse of checking boxes to make a great game. It's like they built this great game, and then they were like, "Holy crap, our animations are so incredible! This game was so expensive. How are we going to recoup these costs?" And then someone like walked down the
0: hall, and, like took their hood off their head, and was like, "I have an idea." <laughs> then, I like, don't know. I don't I don't know. I, I like the I think the loot system is really interesting and adds a fun hook to keep me playing a fighting game for once um, rather than an arbitrary point system like in Street Fighter or even Mortal Kombat where it's like eh, I I like as much as I acknowledge that it's playing on my inherent human psychology of wanting to pull that, you know, <laughs> that casino lever and find out what I get. I, I don't like the fact that that is built inside me. I still have to acknowledge that I do get some pleasure from it. It's tickling that pleasure center of of what am I gonna get?
1: Well, it, it does on some levels, right? But as you unlock and progress and start trying to grind for that higher level stuff, it's it that's where it starts to fail. Because you're not you're not getting you're not getting satisfied in the same way. And and it's forcing you toward um paying.
0: Yeah. I guess I haven't I'm not invested in the online bit. I'm really just playing through the story right now and I haven't delved too far into the other modes so I it hasn't hit me maybe on the level it's hit you yet but um I mean I'm just so enamored with playing through the game how many different things there are to do the daily challenges which are super fun and the fact that they really nail all of these DC characters some real you know deep cuts on on the DC Side of of the heroes and villains, and all of their move sets are so flavorful. They they really nail what it is to be that character, and the super moves are crazy and over the top. And wherein you know, uh, Mortal Kombat, a super move is crazy and over the top in a gory, violent way. These are crazy and over the top in a thematic way. It's like, oh yeah. The Flash is going to grab you. He's going to run so fast that he goes through time. He's going to throw you into a sphinx in Egypt, in ancient Egypt, and then grab you and run back through time again and throw you into you know, something in the future and then not hit you so hard that your past self and your current self slam into each other. Yeah, that's what The Flash does. It's awesome, man. It's so awesome. And every new character feels... Authentic to the spirit of the character from the comic, the costuming is is unique and elseworldy, but awesome and and highly detailed. I'm just so enamored with what they did with that IP. I didn't really play the first Injustice, so I guess I'm I'm. It feels even fresher to me than it than it would to other people, but it's great
1: it is and, and injustice one was also great if you know you've missed it or you, you know you're sitting around you can pick it up for cheap it's also a great story and it, and it sets up this story well i'm glad to know that this story it plays well for someone who didn't play the first one because it seems like they do a good enough job setting it up and doing like a a quick previously on kind of yeah. thing with what's happening but the first story in injustice one is, is cool and well done and then what they're building on it now because the way injustice one ended you're kind of like Okay, neat. When uh, they announced Justice Two, I was a little curious how they were going to keep making it interesting, and the way they added a you know a time gap, and now you're coming back to these characters and the reality of this world that has been lived in. I mean, watching the cutscenes in the single player campaign is is one of the best DC movies ever i mean it's up there with like the dark knight for me in terms of like it's much more comic booky but like pick your favorite dc animated movie that have come out over the years and there's been several great ones and this is this is right up there and i love the way that it goes you know full comic book and you do have those those deep cut characters but even some of them that are you know, oftentimes played for jokes uh, in some other formats, even in comics themselves, like they're given respect here. And, and again, like you said, given a unique skill set. And it's not just Dan from Street Fighter, right? Where it's like, here's this dumb guy we always think is dumb. Now we're going to beat him up. It's like, oh, no, no, no. This could be a real character that, that like someone's probably going to main and, and win a lot of fights with. It's really, really, really well done.
0: And, it, and it, it looks like they like cast the movie. It looks like they got a very specific person – to play each of the characters because the the graphics are so detailed that they look like they cast an actor to do that. I mean, and, and none of them look like what you would expect. Superman is a really interesting looking Superman. Catwoman is super interesting. I mean, it looks a little like Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, but that's really the only one that looks like a, a, an actor that has actually played the part. All the other ones look like very specific human beings in that role, but not who you would expect Uh, and like when they finally show um uh brainiac he looks like an actor with face paint on i mean it looks like a human (laughs) being wearing face paint it's it's amazing it's amazing i
1: forget who tweeted it out but some i know it's only both i just remember it it was like uh, i saw it late last night it was like uh the facial animation and graphics in injustice 2 have gotten so good that now their people look ridiculous wearing masks just like real actors look ridiculous (laughs) wearing masks where it's like it's gone so far you're like Oh yeah, they've they painted their eyes under their mask. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Uh, I'm curious to see how, um, how it, uh, oh gosh, what's the word? Uh, how high level play is, how competitive play takes to this game, because so much of the game that I love, and I think you as well, is the story and what they've done, the creative way for introducing the multiverse to keep you grinding for gear and coming back for kind of daily content and to keep you playing outside of that story mode. Um, but I'm curious how the competitive scene will be where, you know, you, all that stuff is just, uh, visual because you can't, it's not a fair fight if someone's like a level 20 Superman and then someone's playing their level four Catwoman or something. No, like, oh.
0: they switch all that off.
1: It's, right. That's what I'm saying. It's all just, it's all just, uh, visual stuff. But I'm curious how the, the, the fighting game community takes to it as a, as a competitive fighter or whether or not, you know, maybe Netherum has just created this amazing thing of the single player fighting game and they've created because of the loot boxes and the stuff it's enough to keep people coming back that it won't need you know an evo type audience to to sustain it i don't know
0: i need to find the first
2: game find a competitive audience some it wasn't as robust as as
1: others i think even mortal Kombat had a a a bigger stay in the competitive scene but there were certainly people out there playing injustice one
0: yeah I need to find me a wish in stone so I can wish that Nether gets to do a Marvel Universe game. I know it's very unlikely, but man, that would be so rad.
1: Well I want them to I love I love this game and I like that it's a fighting game. I enjoy fighting games, but playing this story, I I want Netherrealm to write this game the next game that then has uh Arkham style combat like i'm like ooh i want to play these fu-. like when there's like catwoman versus you know a million bad guys or whatever you get to watch it i'm like yeah 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 give me those controls <laughs> i want <laughs> i want this to be everything i want to play the third person action then when i go up against a boss i want to do the fighting game then i will watch a little cut like it's so good it's it's really well done
0: all right so let's talk a little bit about player unknown battlegrounds because uh the reason i didn't put even put it in the doc is i forgot that i played it um <laughs> It was so early in the week, and uh, some of my buddies got really into it and got all excited, and I uh, I jumped in and played. Some. I know you've been playing a bunch of this, Christian, um, and it's a phenomenon. It's this crazy phenomenon. People have like three million players. Uh, it's it's crazy right now. Uh, and the idea is, if you guys aren't familiar with what it is, it's it's battle royale or Hunger Games. Uh, it's a mod for Arma Two where you queue up with seventy nine of your friends whatever other people and uh you are dropped at, literally out of an airplane you decide where you parachute in with nothing onto this island land it's its own
1: game though right you, i mean saying yeah. it's a mod for arma 2 is a little dismissive like it's a it's you have to buy this game it's not an arma 2 thing that then you download a mod it's in early right. access but it's its own standalone it was thing.
0: built as a mod to to arma 2 but yes you're right it is a standalone early access game um, but you, uh, you parachute into this area, you have nothing, and then you sort of have to find anything you can use to kill other people and there are buildings and structures and vehicles and stuff on the Island. And you can use all of it. You can, you can search all of it. You can find stuff, you can get backpacks and, uh, you know, armor and stuff. And you try to prepare yourself for the eventual running ins with other humans. Uh, and the reason that that is inevitable is that a circle on the map starts to slowly get smaller and anyone outside that circle dies. So it starts constraining the player base into a smaller and smaller area over time until it is very tiny. And one, there's one person left standing and that person wins. And the cool thing is, If you get eliminated, you're not stuck watching the rest of the match. You can leave and jump into the next one right away. So it's constantly revolving its player base while dwindling people down to a last man standing type of situation.
2: How long do
0: these matches actually last? Like, is it 20 minutes? Is it an hour? How how good are you? (laughs) Yeah.
2: I guess that's true.
0: It all depends on how long you survive. I think if you get to the end, and I've gotten to the end a couple of times now, the last, you know, I don't know, under 10 people left. Uh, it it could take like forty five minutes. I think okay. that's that's about you know as long as it takes. Um, but the other cool thing they do is that they allow you to team up, and you can create little groupings of people, and you can queue with your friends and try to be a little team to survive into the end as well. And that's that's how I mo- mainly played it. Have you mainly played it single player, Christian?
1: Yeah, none of my friends told me they were playing the game.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Because I've been playing a ton of it with friends. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, you can solo queue
1: or you can go in with friends. But when you do that, you're not playing. Like we would never play against each other then. If you're going in with your group, you're in a different queue. So it's not like a couple of people running around solo versus squads of five just out wrecking fools. Uh, But yeah, I've been solo queuing. I usually play late at night or early in the morning when I can carve out time and and jump on and – Oh, the last time I played, I had the worst two hours of playing like just a, oh, tr- like part of it was my fault. I had a drop on a dude and I was like, oh, the door opened and I was like, game on. And then there was someone behind me and they just shot me before I could shoot. Like I was sitting there watching this place as the map constricted uh, and I was like, got him. And then someone was behind me the whole time. I didn't even know. <laughs> and then they popped me and then popped that other person. Oh, it's uh
0: in the chat. Uh, Cyan Spider-Man says he's playing right now. So, uh, cool. I don't know how you can do this and type in the, in the chat. And also, That's so,
1: good. I I love the game. I'm not sure how much long I feel like if I ever win one, I might retire. You know, I'll, I'll be like, I'm done. I'm going to walk away from it. I don't know how long it will keep me coming back because it's, it's the same game over and over again, right? There are here's, different
0: maps. Here's, my take on it is that it is the best parts of it are prepping. The best parts are the 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 excitement that you have of trying to get your stuff and trying to prepare and oh my god oh, did you hear somebody I heard somebody did you hear somebody there I hear a car car just pulled up okay g- g- let's get them that that fun and it's like that with DayZ and some of these other games like this where it's that wonderful tension of high risk high reward you know we're we're we have one death and that's it and we're out and you feel really crazed trying to stay alive and trying to be prepared but the actual like Gunplay, the actual shooting stuff of it, I find to be not particularly fun. I, I like all of the buildup. I like all of the the concept is really fun, but I don't have a great time actually playing it, and it's just maybe not my thing. But
1: I think the gunplay is just quick, right? It's that air quote realism. So you're not right. going to get into an epic duel the way you would in Halo or something overwatch. like that. It's like yeah. S- someone's yeah, overwatch. Someone sees you and you're done. <laughs> right like it's game over sometimes you know you might get a shot off and maybe you have a more powerful weapon so they come at you thinking they have a drop on you but then you're able to turn around and your shotgun has a little further range and when that stuff works out i think it's some of the most exciting gameplay in any game ever because it, it is it's so high stakes but yeah i totally understand how you it's not um, the same experience as a lot of other type of even shooters where you, you can run away and you can heal and you can hide and then your teams can your teammates can come over and help you out it's kind of like you know, pop, pop, you're done.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm fascinated by this new genre that I, th- I, I, I think battlegrounds is kind of epitomizing right now. Yeah, I, I have a hard time even imagining that this would have found an audience six, seven years ago. Yeah, and that you know, just on paper, it just sounds so punishing that there's so much risk. Yeah, that you, you could put in so many hours, and then you know, be like, oh, oh, I, I, I guess I have nothing to show for it. That I'm, I'm, really fascinated that people seem to be gravitating towards it. And, well, I, I,
0: mean, think I, the, I,
2: I is it the difficulty? Is it the challenge? Is it the if I do well, I really am king of the world?
0: Yeah, I think so. And but I also think they mitigate a lot of that frustration by the fact that once you're dead, you can jump into another game. You just like, oh, yeah, okay, I didn't do That's it. That's so, a really oh, clever idea. Yeah, it's it's a it's a huge revelation because. Most of those games just force you to sit there and, and sit in your own suck. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> and uh, the fact that this game is like, no, jump in, try it again. And I think that also helps the player population because you don't ever really wait very long for a match. It's always, there's always new ones starting up. So I think that is a, a brilliant bit of design.
1: And I think the rise of streaming is huge for this genre and this yeah, type of game. Yeah, and and yeah. Counter Strike certainly existed ten years ago, and it also was very punishing. And I think maybe even more so in terms of, you know, you're you're stuck in a game and you're dead, and you, you know you're sitting there waiting for your teammates to whatever before you can do your next game. But I think so many people now are able to watch this game and like the cool things that happen or the funny things that happen, so they're want they're more willing to go in and, and try it. I think that the negative side of that coin is I've been playing a game and i was parachuting down and i landed in this building and like three other people were there i was like oh crap and i you know had this freak out cuz i was playing the game for real and these other people you could tell were each just trying to create their own funny streams and so i went into a room picked up a pistol and shot them both
0: <laughs> well i'll tell you the, the most fun i've had playing this game so far is i was playing on on a in a game with uh four people three of uh, the there, in addition to the circle getting smaller, Adam, there's also red circles that show up that where the game just is going to firebomb that area. So if you end up in that red circle at a certain point, you're dead. You're going to die. you got to find cover. or Yeah, it's yeah so you're constantly, to keep you're constantly being forced to move, and you can never really turtle or hunker down, which I think is really smart. Like it's it it constantly switching things up. But there, there yeah, was the,
2: – the, the Oh, sorry, sorry. No, no, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, back to your point about the streaming and – Forgive the shameless plug again, but this is something I've felt over the past few months, about Friday the 13th, that I think it fits into this other genre. It's very different than than Battlegrounds, but there's this new type of game that I even enjoy watching where it's not so much I'm interested in seeing someone's skill, but there's enough almost narrative that's coming out of the multiplayer experience I don't mind watching it. it it's, it's, yeah. As you can imagine, Friday the Thirteenth is based on something that what's existed in a purely visual medium, and you know, watching bad people play it versus watching skillful people play it offers its own rewards. And I, 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 I think you're right. I think there is an effect of the rise of streaming that is going to start to inform some amount of development and ideas where it really isn't about, hey, I'm the best out there, you know, that, that you that being the best is the best way to enjoy the game that you, know, you you have games that really offer some type of satisfaction
0: depending on what the skill level is of the people involved. Yeah, I think you're right on. I think that's that's exactly what's happening here. Um, <laughs> the, the most fun I've had playing this game so far was, Four of us running around trying to get outside of a red circle that was going to kill us all, or frantically uh, scrambling to try to beat the clock. And we f- we see a motorcycle with a sidecar. One of us jumps on the motorcycle. Another one jumps in the sidecar. And a third player jumps and sits behind the driver of the motorcycle. So there's three idiots on a motorcycle tootling around the map trying to get away from the, from the red circle. And I was just laughing Hysterically, that we're just these these three morons, like like the three Stooges, all clumped together on this little motorcycle, where you know there are dozens of other players who are hearing our motorcycle driving down the road, r- ready to pick us off. It, I mean, that is the that, the wackiness, yeah. you know, silliness. I mean,
2: it's, it's, it's yeah, and, and that you you have enough of a system in place that with player creativity, the game kind of pays all these dividends. And like, oh, let's see if we can pull this off, right.
0: Uh, I want to mention another game real quick that I've been playing. Reservoir Dogs is the first video game based on that movie. Although I have no idea why it's based on that movie, um, I'm not in love with this game. Uh, it is um, it's it's got some interesting ideas. The idea is that you're you're the Reservoir Dogs. If you're familiar with the movie, it's a bunch of guys that uh, that are that knock over a um, a uh, jewelry store in the film. Store. So you're doing heists as as Mr. Black, Mr. Pink, Mr. Brown, et cetera. And um, you switch back and forth between two different characters in each heist. And the way it works is you control one of them and a a clock is ticking and you do certain actions. You kill, murder lots of police officers, et cetera. You pick up uh, valuables and you try to do the heist. At a certain point, you press the space bar and you hop. Into the other character, who then plays through in the same amount of time that the first character played through, while the recorded movements of that first play, uh, character are playing back. So you kind of create these, this like recording, and then you play alongside your own recording in real time, which is an interesting mechanic, has nothing to do with the movies. The the,
2: well, the movie you don't see the crime, and they right. fail at it. Right. <laughs> yes so, that sounds so contrary to yes to it reservoir is dogs
0: <laughs> well it's even more bizarre than that because it's called reservoir dogs, but all of the character model they didn't get the the likenesses of any of the actors, and so all of the characters are uh very cartoony versions, but they don't even look like a cartoony version of of the actor they're like a uh, just completely different idea, and all the music is Really bizarre. Because the music is like somebody went into a composer and said, I need you to create music that isn't the soundtrack to Reservoir Dogs, but could be. You know, like sounds just enough like uh, Stuck in the Middle with You. You put the lemon in the
1: pineapple and mush (laughs) it all together. It's
0: like almost those songs, but we're not paying for those songs, so... It's real. Are, are you
2: sure it isn't called like
0: Reservoir Dads? Like <laughs> it's actually not even using the name of the movie. By the way, <laughs> I, I would play. I would play the crap out of Reservoir Dads. That would be amazing. I imagine it's just
2: kind of like you know us aged people. Like <laughs> oh, let's 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 let think we knock something off. It's kind of not like yeah, not like the 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 old people movie where they rob stuff, but it's like middle aged people like who just yeah. give up and decide
0: to. But the thing that's from. even crazier is that like. What cachet does Reservoir Dogs still have right now? Like, are all the the young kids on Steam going, "Oh, finally a Reservoir Dogs game"? Like, for all the that's the thing is that Miramax or Disney, I assume, still owns the license. Well, this is a Lionsgate video game, so I don't know if Lionsgate has the rights at some point because Miramax doesn't exist anymore, right? I don't know.
2: Well, no. Miramax became Disney yeah. Disney bought Miramax, and then the Weinstein started the Weinstein Company. That's interesting, well, like how Reservoir Dogs moved over to. Lions and games. Chat is saying
1: there was a PS2. Oh, Reservoir really? Dogs.
2: That sounds familiar, actually. Oh, I remember a PS2 Sopranos game that was um, equally like, "Hey, let's take what's good about the Sopranos and remove it." <laughs> yeah. And now it's just kind of New Jersey people getting angry.
0: That's, That's what you were left with. It's such a weird thing. Anyway, I don't recommend Reservoir Dogs. I apologize, but it's, yeah, it is, uh, it's not good. Go see the movie. Yeah, definitely. Love the the movie. Classic. Uh, All right, let's move on to uh, some VR talk because we have a big VR game to talk about. First of all, Adam, you not only have been playing a VR game, you are a voice in Wilson's heart, right?
2: Yes, yes. I am actually two voices. Um, I haven't gotten to the part where I'm in it, and one of my voices, I think it's possible I could have walked past me. (laughs) That that would be the most ultimate definition of my late-life existence, (laughs) if I miss myself in a game. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, um, quite some time back, I I, I recorded. uh, I'm not one of the main characters, but I figure as a character in a sequence. Have
0: have you played Wilson's art? Yes. Okay, the typewriter. Oh, that's you. Yeah, that's me. That's amazing. I thought I recognized that. Uh, And there's also
2: kind of you know, like you can hear some interesting horror horrifying stories on the radio. Right. I'm one of those as well. Oh, I definitely um, haven't
0: heard that. but uh... Yes,
2: I, would, I, I play a younger child, and if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> the best part is, no one's going to recognize this, um, I believe the other voice in the radio play is the one and only Trip Hawkins. Oh, is that so? Wow. Yes, I wasn't there when it got recorded, but I, I, I heard that he had actually taken on that other role. I don't know if that's actually um, still him in the game, but I'm crossing my fingers that it is.
0: Well, a yeah, yeah. very cool, very cool game. Uh, black really? and white, very interesting uh, movement, very interesting sort of um, feeling of the game. And, and you're doing these, it's basically an old point and click adventure game, but kind of redux into v- VR in, in some really clever ways.
2: Yeah, and I think and I think it a it has a, a a sense of narrative, which I think that obviously my friend David Chen's game Narcosis is trying to push in that direction. That's where I think we've seen uh, there's only a few instances that seem to figure out how to do narrative in the VR space, and you still have interactivity. Yeah, um, I think this really starts to push in the right direction. Obviously, I'm completely biased. I'm in the damn game, but, um, <laughs> but you know, and it's got that sense of fun. It's got that sense of horror, and I think yeah, by doing the point and click. They kind of got around all the issues everyone's, you know, has with movement in games, and I know that you'll probably talk about Farpoint, yeah. which I think, you know, brings that up as well. That it's not so much about movement in the space, but giving you know, situating yourself in some area where now the interactivity in the VR can kind of be manipulated to solve a puzzle or something like that.
0: Right. Yeah. It's cool. It's even the way that they do even sort of like you can jump into your character mid-run or mid-escape, and it yeah. still kind of works. It's it's clever. It's really well done, I think. Yes. Um, Go twist a pixel. Those are my friends. <laughs> so let's talk about Farpoint. Uh, Christian, you and I have both been playing it. Uh I have been playing it with the PlayStation AIM controller, and you have been playing it with a standard uh, DualShock, right, Christian?
1: Yeah, standard DualShock. I've been standing. I have the first hour on my. I think it's priced up on my Twitch and on my YouTube, which is just Christian Spicer seven one three. I streamed the first hour of it. Um, I want to hear about the Aim controller because. Man, I almost, I almost bought the thing, but I had the game coming from GameFly. I was like, okay, so I can either just get the game via GameFly, my sunk cost already, or I can go drop whatever it is, sixty to eighty bones. 80. And then you said you were getting the Aim controller, and I was like, well, I'm coming over to your house. <laughs> you got to
0: come over, man, because it's, uh, it's cool. The Aim controller really, really works, and it's fun. I mean, it harkens back to those old days in the arcade when I played House of the Dead or Time Splitters or something. You know, that's that's kind of how it feels now, but you're inside the experience. Farpoint is awesome. I don't know what magic pixie dust they use to make it not be nauseating, but smooth movement feels like a, a shooter. I'm i So what you mean by smooth movement is and that's the same setting
1: I have. You're playing like a standard first-person shooter, left stick, right stick, not jumping, because Resident Evil 7 offers that as well. But I think we both used the like, – I don't know, thirty degree kind of jump turn. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, yeah. For for uh, Resident for E4. RE7?
1: Yeah, yeah. But for a point, yeah, I've been playing smooth as well. Um, I think some of the magic they've been they they put in the game in terms of not making you nauseous. I mean, you can pretty much just run forward the whole time,
0: right? Like, yeah, it presents everything in front of you. I think, which is good. I, I mean, I it's think that compensates silly for the camera. from like a, a
1: realism standpoint, a bit. but from making the game fun and engaging and not making you nauseous it's it's great like it doesn't make any sense that when a bad guy runs past you they then run back in front of you
2: (laughs) i've I've, I've been hearing about this i i i I just want to see that so i can see it (laughs) it's kind of super silly yeah
0: i mean because they have these little like crab creatures that will fling themselves at you and they often fling themselves past you which is fine, but then they're like, they're like, oh, sorry, I got to get back in front of you, and they like scramble back in front of you. Um,
1: I like to think that they can only break through the glass of your face shield, so that's why they have. To, like, that's the narrative that I've constructed. See, the one I they constructed have constructed
0: is that they just feel safer back there. They're like, oh, that's where I came from, so I got to scurry back to where I can Now I'm now I'm vulnerable because I'm behind this guy. Who knows what's back there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's
1: to me far point is so i i think it probably is better with the aim controller i'm having fun with the dual shock it you know it's it plays really well um and i'm trying to think of the best way to say this it is a very mediocre game that is made incredible by playing it in vr and i think some of the decisions to make it mediocre are what make it incredible in vr like it's just really weird balance of like I can't I can't Titanfall 2 is one of the best first person shooter single player campaigns I've, campaigns I've ever played. There is no way I think I could play that in VR. That being said, playing Farpoint not in VR would be a super solid 5 or 6 out of 10, right? But playing it in VR because of the concessions they have made to the way that I'm playing it, it's so
0: dang fun. Christian, I think with Adam here, everything has to be out of 5. You know that, right? Not out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in his honor i am not wearing pants so
1: (laughs) i I, I went that far
2: christian i want to say i you're absolutely right i I haven't played farpoint but uh, yes titanfall is never going to work in vr and i think that this is one of those things where you know when i've you know done interviews and stuff like that and talked about it that the, the the idea that if game x is good on console it can only be better in vr and i think that that's such a misnomer And that, you know, we're going to have, we have to reevaluate everything. And that, you know, Farpoint, it sounds like, you're right, what makes it mediocre is what makes it good in VR, and that's those initial steps until we can figure out what that formula is from a design standpoint that's going to make a shooter work in a VR setting. That, you know, just replicating a shooter in VR is a recipe for
0: discomfort and dissatisfaction. It's not going to work. But, man, I am having so much fun with this game. I think mediocre might not be... I wouldn't be the word. I that sounds unfair
2: because it sounds like, yeah, if 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 you extrapolate what you're doing and you think about it in a non VR form, it probably would not be thrilling. I I would say maybe
0: I would use maybe bare bones, like all of the all of the advancements that we've gotten to to get to Titanfall two, which is you know crazy over the top sequences, all of the kinetic movement, all of that insanity that you know first person shooters have gotten to since you know since we were. Castle Wolfensteining or whatever. Um, It doesn't have any of that, but what it does have is I'm moving, I'm strafing, I'm doing all the things that I would do in a 2D shooter and I'm doing it without being nauseated. I'm doing it and I feel awesome. Like I'm able to look one direction and shoot another. There are really cool firefights. I don't know how far you've gotten Christian, but the game really changes at a certain point and I find myself literally holding the controller up to my eyes and yes. looking through the site to shoot guys far away. Like there's a the, – the third weapon you get is this kind of sniper rifle – excuse me, sniper rifle-esque uh, weapon. And I'm literally like winking, closing one of my eyes yeah. and looking in VR down the site like I would with a real weapon. It's It's really Brilliant. cool.
1: There's no left trigger, right trigger. It's you hold it up to aim. Yeah. It's
0: so how does that work with awesome. a dual shock?
1: The same thing. You hold the controller up. I wish that wow. they knew that they kind of let you hold the controller sideways to replicate a gun mm. kind of thing. You're still holding it with two hands. So it's a little cumbersome, but it's just lifting, you know. You look dorky doing it, but it's just lifting a t- your two hands up in front of your face. After you've been playing for a while, you kind of forget because I was getting like arm fatigue because the way you hold a controller isn't as natural as like resting, holding a two handed, you know, kind of machine gun type thing. Like my arms are sticking out, but you still you you lose yourself in the moment. And you meant the magic you talked about, you know, what they put in to make you not get nauseous playing this game. I don't know. I'm playing on an OG PlayStation 4 and this and Resident Evil 7 and some of the games that have been able to run in VR on a vanilla PlayStation 4, they are beautiful. Yeah. I don't understand how they're able to make this game look so good. I think part of it is smart design too, where you're on, you know, this Mars alien planet. So there's like dust being kicked up constantly that kind of hides that, you know, screen door effect or, or, you know, lower resolution that it might be because there's dust in your face, but like the character models, the cutscenes, the story seems you know, kind of predictable sci-fi. We're stranded. Let's make bad decisions. Uh,
0: story. I think the story How far have you gotten? Because the story gets really interesting.
1: I mean, it. Does, um, like three hours. I think
0: maybe. Have like that. you gotten to? Uh, well, we it can start, just talk. It starts off. as. Uh, it starts as Starship Troopers, and it turns into Terminator. Have you gotten to Terminator? No, I'm not. Okay, Terminator so yet. the story gets really interesting, and all and an adult and very kind of emotional and. It it kind of doesn't make sense how they portray it because in one sense you're like finding these holographic images that you're watching. But then all right. of a sudden you're like in people's perspective, which is bizarre. But the st- actual story that you get, I really was drawn into and, and seeing it in a VR – Space, like kind of like Wilson's heart, where things are happening all around you, and actual characters are the same size as you, and yeah. you're staring at them in their eyes, and there's some actual acting. There's there's a moment where this girl, you have this showdown with the, this female scientist, and she like starts crying and looking at you and gets angry, and it, I mean it's it's effective. It's it feels like acting with these digital characters. It's really amazing
1: yeah and and that they're running it I, i think the hamsters are working overtime in my playstation 4 i don't i don't know how they're putting this out it is it's incredible i think if you have a playstation vr it's definitely a must play if you don't have one i don't know if this alone is worth the investment but if you have now that stack of games that you've been eyeing like this is another incredible game in the playstation the psvr's library you have like batman resident evil 7 farpoint thumpers incredible Res is incredible uh job simulators well done in it like slowly but surely the playstation vr is having quite an impressive games library it's it's astonishing
2: Um, i i have a question about the aim um why is it so big is it for the purposes of vr or is it something else
0: what do you mean? What, what, what do you what do you mean? The aim? The gun?
2: Um, I, I, I I I saw one of the it's it's called the aim, correct? The, oh, the, the aim controller. Yes. yes. Yeah, the aim controller. It just struck me. I I saw it back on Friday, and it struck me as much bigger
0: than I thought it would be, or I thought was necessary. Oh, why is it Am so big? just being big? Like, Yeah. Uh, I think it's because uh, you are intended to have. Both hands on it. It's, it's more an assault rifle than it is a pistol, and I think that that sets it apart from something like the Oculus controllers or the Vive controllers, and it allows them to have dual sticks and all the buttons on, on the controller, and you really do – I think it's much more comfortable.
2: Oh, yeah, both hands on it so you can still handle movement from
0: – exactly. Oh, that makes sense. So your okay, so one hand is, yeah. you know, is moving a stick and pulling triggers and the other or excuse me, moving a stick and and, you know, putting there's buttons in the front and then the back hand is where the trigger is that you would use to, you know, fire the weapon. Got it. Yeah, got it. Yeah, that makes sense.
2: Okay. Yeah, I was just curious cuz it just struck me as yeah, I'm used to light guns which, you know, right. are small you know, and, I, and I get why the aim doesn't look like a gun because that's just not done anymore, right. you know trying to put that on the, on the store shelves
0: but it's cool man and and the, like the first time I saw my shadow there's a, a very early in the game you were like walking in this barren wasteland and in the hot sun and you could turn and see your your silhouette of your shadow and like i'm I'm holding this gun and I'm moving the gun around and it's exactly moving how I want it to move it's it's amazing anyway, all right let's move on now to some quick questions yeah. All of these quick questions were sent into DLCfeedback at gmail.com or they were left on our subreddit. There's a sticky thread there for quick questions at uh, 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Feel free to send in your quick questions if you want to hear them answered on a future segment. But all of the folks whose questions were picked today are going to get a download code on Steam for Franchise Hockey Manager 3, the only PC hockey game licensed by the NHL. Thanks to friends of the show, Rich Grisham, for sending these and supplying them. So if you're digging the Stanley Cup playoffs, Franchise Hockey Manager 3 on Steam. So we got uh, the first quick question comes from Darren. He says, quick question. When a game offers choice of first-person or third-person view, which do you choose and why? Adam. Uh,
2: Um, First-person. The the best example I can think of is like a Fallout or... um Or Skyrim type game Uh, and I sometimes want to know what I look like but it's never played better for me um, outside of first person
0: Christian how about you Uh, almost
1: always third person I like the ability to see more of my surroundings see if people are sneaking up on me pull that camera back lean around a corner uh, alternate my shoulder to fire around a box or something like that so I'm almost always third person even if it means my legs look weird as I strafe like they they, they clearly didn't plan for me to play in third person (laughs) I still will
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think that you hit the nail on the head. I think most of the games that offer you a choice don't really feel very good in third person. So I usually play them in first person. But I prefer third person games in general. Yes, I I agree with that. I like when they're designed for third person. All right, quick question. This one comes from Tyler Ferreira. He says, Assassin's Creed, Call of Duty, Far Cry, and other games have all taken their games to different time periods modern, near future, Renaissance, Paleolithic, etc. What is another game that you would want to see in another period of time? And what is that time? Mirror's Edge in Agrabah, Warcraft 40K. What do you say? Adam?
2: Ha. Huh. I mean, I've been thinking about this one. I've been wondering about a game that I would like to see. In another time or place. Um, I always think about the time period that I want to see. I've never thought yeah. about the game I want to see in a different time period. <sighs> Let me, you know, maybe I can drop Granth- in if you need a, a minute. Century. Sorry, that- what was that, Adam? I kind of like the idea of, if not Grand Theft Auto itself, but trying to do a, a crime game in like the 19th century. Well, oh, wow, challenges yeah. around something like that. Because it's not like Victorian England was not rife with the activity. Like, you know, kind of like Grand Theft Auto, but you're the children from Oliver Twist. Yeah.
0: And I like love you're, that.
2: And you're trying to build up your criminal empire so you can take down Fagan and all of his cheap Jewish stereotypes that he's engaging in. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. All right. So that's a pitch out there. So someone throw me some money. I'll make that game. I love it. <laughs> Christian, what do you got?
1: I'm out on a limb here, but I I would love to see a shooter in World War II, like just (laughs) really hand. Um, for me, and maybe I'll get this with the Star Wars game. But my favorite games are Uncharted, Tomb Raider, that third person action adventure game, and I would love to see that in uh, a hardcore space setting where you, you know, you're on the space station or it goes awry. You have some space suit. You get to go out and do some zero G's, maybe like Battlestar Galactica kind of setting where maybe you're on planet for a little bit, but then you're rocketing somewhere else. And I think there'd be really cool adventuring as you kind of get into that zero G spaceship. Like what Titanfall 2 did, I know it's a first person game, but the level where they're building the house around you, I would love to see something like that as like a ship is kind of spinning through space. Like imagine a huge, the Uncharted 2 kind of big set piece with the train or something like that that, but it's a space station careening toward a planet. Oh, that just sounds awesome to me.
0: I, uh, I love, I love the GTA idea. I thought that was kind of fun. Um, Mikey GH2 says grand theft horse carriage. That's kind of funny. Um, but I I was going to say, Oh, just jumped out of my head. What I was going to say. Uh, Oh yes. Final fantasy kind of just did this, but I've always wanted full on. And I guess persona is kind of this too, but I've always wanted like full on, role-playing game in modern day and i know that there's been um the world ends with you and and the games i just mentioned they've kind of done it but i really want to see like a western role playing game like a skyrim or you know something like a witcher but done in modern day contemporary setting where there's there's magic but there's also you know fashion like in world ends with you i love that stuff like
1: a harry potter rpg
0: yeah, except not with that IP. But yeah, yeah, I think that'd be really cool. All right, quick question. This comes from Charlie from Hamilton, Ontario. He says, "What do you think games like Daisy, Arc, H One Z One, and uh, Player Unknown Battlegrounds are taking so long in their early access states? Uh, are they seeking enough success income as it is that they aren't motivated to release quickly? Do these games taking so long?" to exit early access, make them, make you reevaluate your stance on them in general. And should we be more willing to jump in given that we have to wait many years or we may never get the finished game? Anth- uh, Adam, what do you think?
2: Well, um, once again, shameless plug for Friday the 13th, uh, this was not an early access game, but I've had the, uh, the, the ability to really watch game design for what is primarily a multiplayer game. Um, and they're really hard and yeah. the thing is you know friday 13th is far more narrow in sort of it's it's player numbers and so sort of, I don't want to say scope cuz i think that you know that's that's that 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 sounds bad but obviously like daisy h1z1 player unknown that's very very ambitious and the only way to really get a sense of what you can do with the game and what you need to address in the game is to have a lot of people play it and, you know, you know for, for the benefit of a big, well-funded studio, they can hire people to do that. And I think that's the, you know, yes, you are paying early access to get access to a game, but you are helping, you know, formulate, you know, where that game is going to go. Um, I don't think it's, like, cynical on their part. One could argue that maybe there's a certain comfort it provides where, you know, maybe it doesn't race to the finish line. But once mm. again, if you race to the finish line and the game is not you know, perfectly you know, as as balanced as it should be, or, you know, that well designed, I I I think once again you you, you end up with, with dissatisfaction. I I I I don't want to criticize a young man who who, um, who wrote the note, but this idea that there are Ill, the, 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 the presumption that these things happen with ill intent and not good intent is an issue I've had, you know, even back when I was a journalist. That we seem to just look at everything with such negative skepticism, whereas I think most people who make video games really would like
0: to make a successful and fun game. I think it's well said, now, Christian. Do you have a comment?
1: Yeah, I think that hits a nail on the head with that they're having enough success. They don't need to come out of it. Um People for this, is some genres of games, the players are very accepting of it being an early access. And as long as they're seeing tweaks and stuff made, uh, they're OK with that. And I personally would rather a game kind of stay like that if it's going to kind of get tweaked and modded frequently and be a little janky, then come out and say, this is our finished version, but then still be lacking. Um, For me, it lets me know that I'm going to wait and, you know, get, watch some streams, read some reviews, get some impressions of a game before I dive in on it and know that what it's going to be versus um, sitting around and waiting for a finished game. But I also think that other genres of games, you know, don't have the same luxury of being allowed to do that. Like if, um, Mega Man 11 came out and was in early access for a year I, I would say no i'm gonna wait for the game to be finished but it's these big multiplayer games like adam was touching on where i feel like we as gamers have been a little more forgiving and that's okay what about you jeff
0: yeah i mean for me i think you guys have, have said it well i i touch on the last part of his question which is that i i have seen a complete shift in my own preference because i was always that you never get a second chance to make a first impression guy and i would always say to myself well, i'm gonna wait and not play these games until they're done, but because they're so polished and because, you know, even in an early access state a lot of times, or the fact that there are already these wonderful player bases that are kind of shaping these games. And and I have found the joy in participating in the evolution and seeing how things change from month to month on a game. I've definitely been more willing to, to play early access games than I ever was before.
2: So, and remember, uh, I don't believe we had this kind of a discussion about Gmail, which was in beta for, what, five, <laughs> six years? That's like, true. I don't know. Are people going to be more accepting of other, like, you know, beta email <laughs> programs? It's, you know, I don't know what I was doing to improve Gmail during those seven years, but I was sure happy to have it. That I know.
0: That's that big, I know. <laughs> great point. Uh, and finally, our last quick question comes from Kiwi. He says, what's your most anticipated game for the rest of 2017? <coughs> Adam probably red dead redemption 2 yeah it's hard to pick against that one christian do you have do you have something that's not red Dead redemption 2 it's one of three
1: uh as of right oh god it's one of four guys It's one of four
0: (laughs) it's red dead
1: mario destiny 2 or uncharted lost legacy if i'm allowed to count that and it might be uncharted lost legacy for me because that seems like the biggest question mark red dead i feel like i know what i'm getting uh, Mario Odyssey. I feel like I have a pretty good idea of what I'm getting. Destiny Two. I certainly have a good idea of what I'm getting. But an Uncharted game with the name Uncharted in it, without Drake, is is fascinating to me. So that might be it.
0: Speaking of Uncharted, Tom Holland playing young young Don't Drake. Get
1: me, oh, finally, I get to hear more about young. Oh, stop
0: it. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of Tom Holland, my my game is one you guys haven't mentioned yet. I think uh, as much as I'm excited for Red Dead, I, I really have high hopes for Spider Man. I think the Spider-Man game that Insomniac is doing it might be my most anticipated game. I want that game to be amazing, and I is feel that like coming out this year. I think it. Well, it I may mean, not. I did like a like coming it. out with the movie, so I wonder if that gives them some breathing room. Mm, good point. I'm well, so I'm hoping that comes out this year, and I hope it's amazing. No, I'm just saying,
2: I'm excited for that too because it's Insomniac, it's Spider-Man. That just
0: makes sense to me. So, yeah, agreed. All right, that has been quick questions. Quick, quick, quick. Time to wrap up the show now. We still have our parting gift coming up, so stick around for that. But Adam Sessler, thank you so much for being here, my friend.
2: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. Uh, tell people where they can keep up with you and keep up with uh, Friday the 13th, The Game, and anything else you want to plug.
2: Yes, uh, I'm just I'm, I'm Adam Sessler on Twitter. Uh, Friday the 13th, The Game is Friday the 13th, The Game on Twitter. And remember, Friday the 13th, The Game, it comes out on Friday the 26th, uh, 7B1 multiplayer. It's really, 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 really fun. It's hide-and-go-seek with more blood than you know what to do with. So it's just like you, just like you dreamt of as a kid. You know, you, you, you get to return to looking for friends and um, sticking a harpoon through their
0: eye socket. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Christian, what do you got going on this week?
1: uh you can listen to other podcasts i do i do department of parenting with chris Quintos. it comes out on wednesdays uh, we also have been doing video episodes for those you can find the videos on our facebook which is just facebook.com department of parenting and if you want a little extra geekiness from me i have a patreon only podcast called at least 20 more minutes it's just like a butt gets you in or whatever um i did a Bonus episode of Destiny 2, hands-on, and um, a lot of fun stuff there. You can find that at patreon.com, Christian Spicer. And then Twitter's the easiest way to get in touch with me if you need me, at Spicer, S-P-I-C-E-R. Jeff, what about you?
0: You can also listen to other shows that I do. In fact, I talk about video games every day. It's a short show, just 10 minutes a day. It's on Anchor. You can find it. It's called Newest, Latest, Best, and you can find it at NLB. I also have a movie and TV review show called The Slash Filmcast. You can find that at slashfilmcast.com. And I do a comedy show with Anthony Carboni called We Have Concerns, which you can find at wehaveconcerns.com. All right, uh, let's get now to our parting gift. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is parting gift. Adam, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week?
2: Yes, um, because I just recently did this. Go to a museum. Go to an art museum if you can. Hmm. Uh, the world is not that beautiful a place right now. And there's something to be said about removing yourself from said world and just kind of just gazing upon things that were designed pretty much for the sole purpose of aesthetics. And it's, it's, it's kind of nice to look at pretty things. Water lilies, uh, I don't know, just whatever floats your boat. I did it, and I reminded myself, I should be doing this more frequently. It will probably be good for you know, the head and the heart. Love it.
0: Go to a museum. Christian, how about you? You got a parting gift?
2: Hi, welcome to your Punk Rock Minute. Man, oh,
1: guys, Blink-182's California Deluxe Edition came out. It's a, it's a whole other album. They have the whole original California on there, which is already an incredible album, but then I think there's 11 new songs on the Deluxe Edition. It starts with Parking Lot, which might be one of the best pop-punk songs ever, and then rolls into Misery, and that is a one-two punch that... I know it's recent, so it's hard for me to say, but it's it's top five pop-punk albums ever. It's so... It's so good. Give it a
0: listen. We got a listener parting gift. This one's sent in by Alex Samara of Portland, Maryland. Emmy is Maryland, right, guys? M-E? Yeah. I think. Oh, my God. He's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I think it's Maine. Is it Maine?
2: Is it Maine? I think M-E because... Maine. No, I think Portland. it's... Because there's no E in
0: Maryland. That's a good it's point. It's just That's a very good It's from Portland. Oh, it's from Portland yeah. um, it's on his own body. Anyway... Uh, Ruined that one, uh, dudes. Lot in creativity, he says. I was hoping to recommend a parting gift in the forum. Oh, he even says it in his email, Ugh. in the form of a Portland, Maine artist's first graphic novel. What makes Aggregate by Ben Bishop so cool is that it's a split decision format that gives the reader narrative options. This is basically um, choose your own adventure, the graphic novel. Uh, I checked it out. It's called the. It's at the aggregatebook It's by Ben Bishop. Looks really good. So a uh, graphic novel. That is basically a split decision. Uh, apologies to everyone in Maine for screwing up your abbreviation.
1: Where was your apology for Montana after you guys crapped on it for 20 minutes?
0: No, it, people in Montana are terrible. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> kidding. <There's no> crapping <laughs> on the Montana. <laughs> God, Montana's gorgeous. Yeah, we didn't crap on it. I just said that the designers could have maybe made some mistakes. Anyway, uh, I have a parting gift for you. It's maybe a little silly, but it's one of those things that uh, – I don't really, you don't really think about, but can have a huge impact on your life. I realize that there are things that I'm like, I should probably just buy that. And then I don't buy it forever. And then when I finally do, I'm like, it has a huge impact on my life. Case in point, I finally got myself one of those stupid little magnet things that you stick on the dashboard of your car to stick your phone on. It has changed my life. <laughs> it is so convenient to stick my phone on the little magnet thing. It comes with a little metal bracket that you put in the back of the case of your phone. And then you stick the ma- – it's, it's just so convenient You have your phone there. I'm not fiddling with my phone. I'm not fi- – it's not sitting on my seat. I don't forget it. Anyway, it cost me like $7 and it's like huge impact on my, on my life. I always knew I wanted one, but you know, I could have bought it 10 years ago and I didn't. So.
1: And now you're ready to drive for Uber or Lyft or any other service. That
0: <laughs> that's <up>. right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, which is a good fallback position when I inevitably fail at everything else. Anyway, Aww. um, this has been an awesome episode. Uh, thanks again to Adam Sessler and Christian Spice. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, this is, uh, love having you, man. And this is, um, thank you, uh, also to our, Musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star. Thanks to everybody that hung out in our chat room live and helped make the show better in real time. We appreciate you guys. Oh, I just looked at the chat room. 400 people saying main. Main, 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 main. Okay. So (laughs) screwed that one up. Um, But thank you guys. And thanks to everybody that downloads the show as well. We appreciate it. Please recommend the show to your friends or maybe uh, take a second, review us on your platform of choice. It helps. And uh, we will be back next week. Until then...